The following special presentation of Politics, Politics, Politics is brought to you by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Uh, we should we should go to the emergency room. She's like, should I call 911? I'm like, no, we should get in your car right now and, and drive go. very fast. Yeah. Um, they ran a couple tests of which I don't actually remember um, very well. And uh, but I didn't remember the time that they told me I, you have a heart attack. It is a type of heart attack that if you have it and you are not in a hospital at, at the time you have it, you have a 12 percent chance of survival that day. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast, our Thanksgiving 2022 edition. My name is Justin Robert Young, and as you might have already picked up, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. I first got in contact with Michael Cohen in May of 2021. He was then releasing his book, Modern Political Campaigns. It seemed like a natural fit for me, and he came on the show. It was a fun time. In fact, we wound up kind of keeping in touch on text message, sending each other different political memes and exchanging various different reactions on news. Since then, as you guys know, as listeners to the show, he's been one of our rotating experts and somebody that I really do rely on, not only for his expertise, but also because he spent a lifetime in political campaigns a reliable source for whether or not certain narratives or ideas are getting a little bit too inflated in the media sphere. Michael Cohen was supposed to be on this show a week ago to dissect what had happened in the midterms. I did not speak to Michael Cohen that day, and as you heard in the intro, the reason why is because he had a heart attack, and one that very well might have been fatal. So it delighted me over the weekend when I got some text messages from him and it was an honor, to be quite frank, when he suggested that there might be a good conversation to be had considering the human toll of politics, something that he now had a very, very vibrant and clear perspective on. So what's going to follow is an hour conversation with Michael Cohen. I hope you guys enjoy it. It's something that I think is worthwhile here as we not only move through the Thanksgiving holiday, but also into the holiday season in general. Enjoy. Rolling here because I want I want this to be more of a a, a, a relaxed conversation, uh, but I I think it's all valuable. Uh, 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 first things first, it is it is just you know, I mean uh, uh, we're we're doing this a a week away from you know when you were you were gonna be on initially last week, and yeah. uh, uh, you know all of a sudden I get a text from your wife that says you know in 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 
very descending order of importance. You were in the ICU. You were resting well. You're not going to be on the show. And I'm like, well, for, for the love of God, please don't worry about the third one. Uh, uh, please, you know, keep me updated. So, so let's, I guess, start at the beginning. Uh, what happened? Uh, about one o'clock in the morning, I'm in bed sleeping like most normal human beings after an election. You know, you're you're regathering yourself. Yep. And, um, you know, there's nothing else to do. The cake is baked, you know, house is done, sense done, everything's done. Um, I wake up and there's a bad, bad pain, like center mass right in my chest. And I say to myself, well, wow, that's a really bad reflux reaction to like having like a beer and a half. Yeah. And, um, you know, some fried food over at a uh, Purple Strategies, um, you know, happy hour you know, which was great. And I had a good time. There was no stress, you know, we're all, you know, enjoying, you know, ourselves together. And I wake up and there's this really bad pain. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll go take some Pepsi because that's yeah. what one does when one yeah. has bad chest pain like that. Took it and um, nothing in a half an hour, nothing in an hour. And it's not getting worse, but it's certainly not getting better. And I just turned to my wife and I'm like, look, uh, we should, we should go to the emergency room. She's like, should I call 911? I'm like, no, we should get in your car right now and, and drive go. very fast. Yeah. So the last thing we want to do right now is wait for the, um, for the ER emergency folks to come pick us up. And so, um, we got there, we live five minutes away from Anova Loudon over here in, um, district 10, <laughs> you know, congressional district 10. And, uh, they took me right <laughs> which, away. Which it is just um, amazing that that's, yeah. that's how you know it and refer to it as, as district 10. <laughs> well, I, I know what program I'm on. So, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I told various versions of the story without the uh, political references, but for, for your, for your everybody listeners, here, that's where yeah. I live. Yeah. And so um, I, you know, I walked in under my own power. I put my head on the counter. I handed him my, my wallet and I said, I'm this guy. I have a lot of pain in my chest. Help. <laughs> yeah. At least it translated that for me. Um, to them, and uh, so had it, had literally it been, five minutes. Had, had you know, it been I'm, getting I'm, worse in the drive? No, no, it was very stable. Like it was just stable, bad, you know. Yeah. And so it wasn't getting worse. It was just, wow, this really hurts. And oh my god, like this is the worst ever, you know, I've ever had a, a reflux. And I've had reflux over the years. And I was just like, man, this is bad. This is so why isn't this reacting well to to the normal things I would pull off the shelf? And so I didn't think it was a heart attack. I wasn't scared. I wasn't like all these other things. I was just like, okay, this isn't going away. We should just do the thing and go to the hospital. Yeah. Uh, so you get there and, yeah. uh, uh, at what point do you know what's happening? Uh, rather quickly. So they take me in the back and, and, you know, if you've ever been to a hospital, um, you know, the people who have chest pain go to the front of the line. Um, you know, at, you know, that time of night, I mean, we, by the time we got there, it was like two, three o'clock in the morning. There was nobody there. Um, so it was very quick to take me in the back. Um, they ran a couple of tests of which I don't actually remember um, very well. And, uh, but I did remember the time that they told me, I, you have a heart attack um, and we're going to take you in the back and we're going to do what we can for you. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Um, all of a sudden this has really escalated from like beer and fried food to what's going on inside my chest. Um, they didn't have enough time given what I had um, which is affectionately known as the widowmaker. Yeah. Um, it is a type of heart attack that if you have it and you are not in a hospital at, at the time you have it, you have a 12% chance of survival that day. Um, I did not know that until after I got out of the um, 
the hospital, but they told me it was serious and we need to put a stent, you know, right away. And so there's only two places they do the stent, by the way. And, and I know this is a family program, so I'll keep it clean. Um, they either go up your arm or yeah. they go in your, in your front door, you know, yeah. if you're a guy. And, um, I, I remember saying to them, um, come on, it's been a long night. Can you just take the arm? Yeah. <laughs> and, and they did, which was great. Um, you know, I got very lucky Yeah, and, um, they opened up a hundred percent blockage in that main artery, uh, with a stand, uh, which literally saved my life. Then they put me in an ambulance and took me over to, um, Fairfax County, which is the adjacent County to where I live. And that's where they have the, um, the better heart facility, which is where I, I stayed for about four days. So since listeners to this show who have heard you on for, for as long as we've had you on the program, uh, uh, they may or may not know, you know, what, what body emanates that voice. Uh, uh, I will, I will say, I mean, you are a, 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 a slim dude. You, uh, you, you, you run, right. You are, a. a, a I, I run when, I, when I'm chasing tennis balls. That's it. Okay. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, I play tennis. I may, I'm, I'm pretty active. Yeah. I work out three to four times a week. Um, eat well. My wife is really the, um, the driving force on that. I ate like shit when I was, you know, in college as most mm -hmm. guys do, um, reformed very well for the process of getting married. Um, I, but you know, again, I mean, I, I went to a cardiologist couple of years back, I turned 52 years ago mm -hmm. um, and said, okay, I have a family history. This is the thing that, you know, really your listeners should know about. Um, if you have a family history, uh, the doctors told me, and this is the most powerful thing they told me when I was there was um, you can't outrun your genes. Yeah. And so my mother actually had a heart attack at 52. I am 52. My mother is big. Um, she smoked for a long time. And she has um, less of my sunny disposition, shall I say. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there where you would say, okay, well, if I'm the opposite of that, maybe I get a few more years before I have the heart attack. Um, instead, it was right, right on, time. on time. Yeah. 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 And so, um, you know, I, the thing I'm trying to tell people more than anything else is, number one, get yourself a cardio um, doc, especially in your 40s, um, as you've probably piled up enough stuff in your chest that you probably don't even know about. And number two, do the thing that I didn't really do, um, which was just take, I, I took the advice of my doctors, but I didn't go to a step further and say, well, I have, don't forget, I do have this family, um, you know, stuff running around on both sides of my family. Um, I should get a full heart scan. Yeah. And I didn't push for that. I should have, because if I had, I probably could have skipped to the part where I got the stent early forgot about the heart attack. Yeah. Done it prophylactically and then um, not had all the pain and suffering that I went through with my family. Looking back on that moment, because even you describing it and and talking about it being a stable pain and then you get there and you get in the back and now all of a sudden you don't remember these tests. I, I can only imagine that that's adrenaline uh, of, of from the very biggest moment. Our bodies do that all the time. They, they hide right. pain from us because, you know, life is painful and you can't you can't be <laughs> freaking out at every little thing. Yeah. Uh, that is just what what we are designed to do. But now that you are a week on, how do you look back at that brush with mortality? Um. I, uh, th that's a really good question. And actually, um, I didn't really process it until I left home left the um, hospital and my wife came into me in this office and just sat me down and she said, you really have no idea how lucky you are. And I'm like, huh? 
because they didn't even tell me in the hospital of what the percentages were. And, and, you know, being a pollster and being a quant, you know, sometimes the best, my native language is numbers sometimes, you know, and, you know, Lisa said to me, she's like, you had a 12% chance of making it. And I looked at her and I was stunned. I just couldn't believe it. I, I was like, are you really, you know, and we, she showed me the page and I was like, Oh wow, my God, that reputable, what reputable website. I think it was from Harvard. And I just looked at it and I, I was just thunderstruck. I, I couldn't believe it. And, and to be honest with you, that's been the thing that I've been processing most over the last few days is really that number. Yeah. Um, and how extraordinarily lucky I I was even given how I've been taking care of myself over my life and trying to put myself in a position where I wouldn't have that. And so I think the brush with mortality more than anything else has sort of take, had me take a step back and say to myself, well, you know, what's really important. Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, I mean, we, we talk a lot about this in sort of like politics and what, and in, you know, in media and like sort of, you know, movies you watch and you, you see all of this happening. And that, but I did, I took a step back and I said, okay, well, what am I doing right now? Is that, are those things important? Number one to me. And number two, am I doing too many of these things? And I think a lot of people who are in politics, um, you know, almost pretty naturally, like take on too much, like political campaigns, you've been around them and you know it, Mm -hmm. you know, they're all encompassing. Um, You don't sleep, you don't eat well, you don't exercise, you do all the things that are wrong for you um, in the pursuit of something greater than yourself. And that's, that's great. It really is. And we need people like that. Um, And I think that, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a part of that culture. And so I, but I did, I took a step back and I said, well, okay, I'm on this board. I'm teaching at two different universities. I'm doing this, that, and the other thing, what do I need to do? Um, and what do I not really need to do? Cause I think a lot of people who are sort of overachievers and people who try to do, you know, more than, you know, most people even dream of doing, um, say to themselves, okay, well, I have to do this because there's an internal drive, Right. Um, the fact of the matter is you don't need to do everything. And I took a step back and I said, okay, I'm on this board. I can drop off of that. Um, I don't need to teach you two new universities. It probably could be one. Yeah. I can focus on my job, my family, my friends, and the things that I want to do. And in addition, like not just fill up all my free time with other stuff, but also with things um, that you know I, I might want to do just for fun. <laughs> and I think a lot of people in politics really don't look at it that way until there's something that happens to them. And I think that um, I've heard this story from other people. Um, Tony Fabrizio, one of my mentors, uh, had a heart attack in his 40s. And he told me that it changed the way he looked at things. Um, it also um, changed the way I looked at my work with him. Um, and I think uh, I think it's a healthy way of looking at it. Uh, but it is um, it is something that wakes you up. It's very different. Well, first and foremost, let me just say this is going to be our Thanksgiving episode. I feel like if there's one, you know, universe coming together thing to to have people who are obsessed about politics uh, to to understand is a some of the human element of it, uh, because, you know, and we are certainly guilty of this because politics at the end of the day is a zero sum game. And it's just about getting over the finish line. And yes, it's it's staffed with people who believe in the causes, but you don't get to put your causes into motion unless you win at the end of the day that there is this all or nothing element to it. And it does have a human toll. But beyond that, let me just say I am thankful that you have taken the time out of your day to talk to us on this on 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 such short notice. Uh 
because I, I, I do know that there's uh, of all the things that you were ordering in your life, uh, there's probably a few that would be uh, more more beneficial than than uh, uh, spending time with us. But I, I do appreciate that you've taken that time. Well, I appreciate that. But I think um, I mean, to a real extent, I think this is like the perfect kind of venue for post heart attack, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, it's so a number one. You know, show, I mean, I am extraordinarily thankful to everybody in my life. I mean, everybody I work with. And everybody I, you know, everybody I chat with, including yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, getting that message out to people that, you know, there is a human element to politics. Um, you know, we, we, you and I have talked so much about the Fetterman race and, and yeah. all the interest around that one. It's very easy to lose the John Fetterman part of this, um, you know, in all of it. But it really sort of like it, it came home very quickly, you know, to me uh, after that. And I, I think I would just say, too, is that the people who are in politics, they're built differently but they're, they're still human, yeah. you know? And I think that those are the things that we lose when we say, okay, well, I really want to kick this guy's ass because he's a terrible human being for X, Y, and Z, or she should really win because she's the greatest person since sliced bread. Well, you don't know what else is going on in their lives unless you're really close to the campaign or close to the candidate in a very real way. And, you know, the people in politics, they really, you know, lay it all out on the field. And sometimes it is at a cost and even a cost that you don't anticipate. And so just remember that and be thankful for that. We have a country where we have people who are willing to put themselves out like that. And also just, you know, have a little bit more compassion than just being a Twitter troll, um, <laughs> you know, and, and just looking or, or just like chasing the next meme of like the candidate that you hate. They are real people. Um, and, you know, it's particularly during Thanksgiving. I think we should all take a step back and, and think, think about that a little bit. Michael, when when was your first entry into a political campaign where where you 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 crossed the line from being interested to being involved? That's a good question. I, I think um, let's see. I think for myself, you know, I ran for student senate. You know, when I was a <laughs> um, a college sophomore, right? Yeah. But for real, for someone else, you know, who's actually on a ballot. Um, that was, you know, outside of a university. Um, sure. Uh, by the way, I, I won that race, by the way. Um, nice. Um, but, nice. Want to know. Want to know. Good story. Yeah. You know, it, it's, a good, it's a good way to retire. Want to know. Um, the, <laughs> undefeated. <laughs> definitely undefeated. Um, yeah, I lost a race for, for, for a fraternity president um, to a guy who was actually not enrolled um, in our fraternity. Brutal. That would not happen today. Um, but I came back strong and won um, graduate school council president. That sort of closed out my political career on campus. But the, <laughs> the first race that I, I worked on uh, was for a guy um, who um, I will let his name be out there. His name is Dave Gentry. And he ran for Congress against Karen Thurman in Florida 3. Um, that encompassed the University of Florida. And um, I just literally walked into the office and he initial he right away made me communications director because I happened to be a comms major over at at UF. And, um, you know, I ended up being the de facto campaign manager. Um, and I had no experience at all. I didn't know what I was doing. And it was, it was all very scary. Um, but it was really a lot of fun. It was, it was really great teaching. And we actually won the three-way primary, um, which was pretty remarkable. The guy was, came out of nowhere. Um, but he got clocked by, um, Karen Thurman because at that point, Florida three was not a very competitive seat, but, um, you know, he ran a good race. And it was, it was a, um, it was a really good effort. I actually got paid um, to work in politics. This is the first time I did that. And it was nice. And that was you walking right yeah. off, right off campus at, at UF, right into a professional, literally professional politics. Cause you cashed a paycheck, right? Yeah. You know, I, I cashed a paycheck. I mean, I just walked in just thinking, okay, wouldn't it be cool if we could be Karen Thurman and, oh, here's a guy, he's 
he's near campus who's and he's running I'm just going to go drop in and say hi and you know see if I can join the team. As it turns out, there wasn't much of a team. You know, I was yeah. the team. And so, uh, you know, we we built a campaign. You know, we we raised money. We did whatever we could. Um, you know, we won that three-way primary, and I was I couldn't believe it. I, I I still to this day can't believe we actually won that three-way primary. And then, you know, I totally believe why we lost because we we were just totally outgunned and outmanned. You know, beyond obviously believing in the candidate or believing in the values. Can you speak to some of the adrenaline that, that comes from that, that keeps political operatives staying in, in those fields? Because for a lot of folks, the skill sets that you have in, in politics are very transferable. It's not, it's not like you're doing something so specialized in polling or advertising or fundraising. I mean, again, there's a lot of places where you can go and make a lot more money with a lot more stable income with probably even a, 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 a corporate structure that isn't as chaotic as, as politics. And yet people stay in it. My guess is because again, it, it is that, that adrenaline. Can you kind of speak to that or, or, or correct it? Oh, definitely. I, I think there is something to that. I think people who join politics, um, you know, at the highest levels do it because they're highly competitive people. Um, and I think that there's a, um, you know, a lot of people don't feel very good about talking about being a competitor, you know, and wanting to win. I, I think that people who are competitors and who want to win excel in a lot of different places. They excel in sports and business and, and politics. And I think that, you know, winning is definitely a big driver of it. Um, you know, in addition to values, in addition to you love the candidate and all those things, there is nothing like winning on election day. I mean, you work your brains out um, and you work harder than you ever thought work. Um, you do all the things that you think, you know, are either beneath you or just too hard or too stupid. And you do all the things, right? You, you do everything you possibly can to get this one day and that one moment where they call the race for you. And I swear, I mean, you know, there are you know, a dozen or so times in my career where I look back and I'm like, I could see that with perfect clarity. I knew exactly yeah. where I was. I know exactly who I was talking to. I know exactly how I felt. I mean, there's, there's a very big difference between that and working for a public affairs client or working for, you know, a business client or something like that. Like you're happy when you're, when you're able to help them, but there, it's not a visceral physical reaction to the work that you do. And I don't think that most people really ever find that in their work. They feel like they did a good job. They, they contributed, they had a good day, they made some money, um, but they don't ever walk away from a day, especially even on their best days. And they say, you know what, man, that really mattered. And, you know, I, I had a half dozen of those to a dozen. And, you know, that is a very different career and a very different life. Um, than somebody who just goes straight through corporate and decides, okay, look, you know, my priority is, you know, I want to, I want to have a good life. I want to make money. I want to have a good family. I want to have stable income and all the other things that, you know, add up to the American dream. And that's great. And, and, you know, I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just saying that there is definitely a difference between that and, um, uh, the pursuit of politics. Man, it, you know, that's something that it's hard to describe. And it's something that I always try to bring whenever I'm on the road for, for, for coverage, uh, you know, from an audio perspective, but also in terms of my own, you know, narrative or, or storytelling of trying to just get the emotions across to the listener. I, I remember Iowa 2020 
you know, going to the Bernie Sanders uh, event where the Bernie people thought they were they were definitely winning. All of a sudden it was like tied. These votes were laid. And then Pete Buttigieg comes out and announces himself as the like, quote unquote, winner. The the like we're, we're confident that when all the votes are cast or yeah. counted, we're going to be the winner. And the mood there was like black, like just I've I've been to sporting events where our, our team is lost. Yeah. I've I've been to a bunch of places where a lot of people are sad. Uh, I have never seen a mood like a rally. And and that's what's happening with the supporters. You know, uh, everything kind of comes from the top. And whether or not you can see all the staffers or see the candidate, you know what's happening. Contrast that to the first Biden primary win of his career uh, in South Carolina. I'm at that event. And. The, the security guards are happy. Like, like they, yeah. they're just like, yeah. I'm walking back. People are high five. Yeah. The, the press is happy. Everyone's because there is yeah. just an energy. There's a human energy that is unlike anything I've ever, I've ever been around. And I can, in that moment, very much understand why when you're in the middle of it, it is just this emotional gambling that, like when you it, it's like, why, like like going to Vegas and walking out with a million dollars like you you can't believe that the universe has smiled on you like that it's remarkable and i think one of the things i think you captured there in that in that talk you just had was like it's not the candidate who is totally blown away by this the candidates are generally much more professional about winning and losing um than the staff the staff are yeah. so invested i mean it, it, it is why, like, you'll read in stories like after campaigns that, you know, Buttigieg people will never talk to Sanders people. Yes. Like, it's not that Buttigieg will never talk to Sanders. It, they're totally professionals and they'll work there, right? It's just they'll look at each other and they're like, I can't believe you were on that campaign. You know, you yeah. sold out or you're, you're, you're an idiot for thinking that, you know, that your guy was going to win. Like, it's very visceral, it's very competitive, and it's very emotional. And, Everyone remembers like, you know, when they won Iowa or when they lost Iowa or when, you know, they won the primary. I mean, I'm talking about a primary randomly from like, you know, 30 plus <laughs> years ago that I can remember like yesterday, you know, and it's because because it is such a physically and emotionally um, trying thing um, that that your whole body remembers it. Um, and whereas like, you know, if you're a candidate, you lose. Generally, these people are super successful anyway. They're just going to move on to the next phase of their lives. I mean, you know, I don't think Dr. Oz is waking up this morning going, why me? You know, yeah. I, I, I mean, he's probably just like, all right, cool. What am I going to do next? You know, and whereas like his people are probably super pissed and so angry and just it's going to take them a long time to get over it. I mean, I work at Purpose Strategies now and those people generally come out of politics and everyone's got a story of the race that they ran that got yeah. away from them. And, and when you say to them, like, what's what when you ask people who are really into politics, like, what's the race that you remember the most? They never go to the win. They always go to the loss. Yeah. Because the losses are so much more painful than the, than the happiness is of the wins. And and there's nothing like that. There really is. And maybe sports and maybe other things that I haven't experienced, but at least in the professional you know, realm that's outside of sports, um, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, can, can you talk a little bit about uh, Purple Strategy, about, about uh, what you're doing now and how you're 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 uh, how you're working in in this world? 
Yeah. So, um, um, thankfully and, and ironically almost, you know, I, I don't really work in politics day to day anymore. I mean, I teach about it. I'm at, um, at Hopkins, but at Purple Strategies, we are a reputation management firm that works with Fortune 500 corporations, big associations, and trying to figure out um, where they are and where they'd like to be. You know, in certain cases, there are organizations that are um, going up what we call the ascendancy cycle, where like you go, you're building, 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 you're doing great. And then all of a sudden you like hit this like critical mass where like you are a great company, but you start slipping. And then the question is, can you renew? And we try to help companies um, and organizations have like a second act. Um, and yeah. especially, you know, when they've taken big hits, usually in the political realm. And so when we're, or in the public affairs realm. And so the neat thing about Purple is that it really combines the best of comms and um, and po political strategy and also um, and what I do, which is essentially polling and research and whether it's digital research or whether it's traditional research. And so we put all those things together, um, taking the best from politics to help organizations, um, you know, basically get better. And so I really enjoy that. And what's neat about it is, is that we sort of bring that ethos, um, to our clients that, um, most organizations really don't. It was formed by Alex Castellanos and Steve McMahon. You know, it was a Democrat and Republican firm coming together to be Purple Strategies. And so it is really a remarkable place. Um, and the people that I work with have worked in Democrat and Republican yeah. you know, campaigns. And so it's a really neat, um, neat way to, to, um, to work. You got into that realm, the, 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 the professional realm and uh, the, you know, teaching the academic side. Uh, is is there? I mean, it sounds like you're 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 describing a a a good methadone to at least keep you close to some of the these these adrenaline spikes, but not plug you back in. Is is that something that even you know now with this kind of clarity, you you still could see yourself like I don't. Know, but if the right person asked, maybe. <laughs> now I, I think I'm I'm pretty clear that this is uh that I probably run my last campaign. And, and yeah. worked on my last campaign. Um, I think that's probably a healthy way for me to look. Once you make that move like out of politics, it's very hard to go back into it because it is a different level of intensity. Yeah. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is, I mean, you know, that's probably not very good for me anymore, <laughs> given what happened on Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But, you know, and but the nice thing, though, is I get to be around really smart political people and still get to learn from them. Um, and still get to, you know, help teach them the next generation coming up. And I think that that's a really good fit for where I am. Um, I think that a lot of people who work in politics are best served um, doing it when they're younger, uh, when they don't have families, when they don't have other kinds of responsibilities and people they actually want to be around. Um, the best kind of person to work in politics is a young, driven 20-something um, and to give themselves to a campaign. Um, I was just having a really fun conversation with um, Peter Doherty, who works with me over at um, Purple. And um, he used to work for the D trip. And he said to me, he's like, I don't know that I can even go back to it at this point. Like, I, I feel like, you know, I, I like my life more, you know, yeah. outside of it, but I, but I'm happy that I'm connected to it, that I'm still connected to the political ecosystem um, through the kind of work that we're doing here and with other people. And the nice thing too, is that when you're working in, not on campaigns and you're working at a place like purple or somewhere else. Um, you, you don't have to wake up and have to beat the other guy every day. 
You yeah. Know? You can actually be more collaborative. Um, you can learn a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of things that Democrats did really well, you know, throughout my career that I didn't have visibility into. Now I do. And so the same thing from Republicans on you know my side. And I think it's it's actually a really healthy way to sort of like land the plane with your career as opposed to, um, you know, go the whole way there. Because I, I, I don't know that it's a really healthy... Um, <laughs> a healthy job long-term. No. Um, but I do get why people stay. I really do. Beyond, you, know, you mentioned like the Sanders people will never, never talk to the Pete people or will trash them and stuff like that. The one thing that I've found as being just a fan of, of politics and, and, and an obsessive in terms of reading everything that I can about it is that the only knives that get sharper than the ones that were for the opponents are inside the tent that, that there is oh, this, yeah this very internal, like you're motivating yourself, not only because you want to beat the other guy, not only because you want to be a good professional, not only because you, you have a sense of self-discipline, but also because if you don't win, the guy next to you will blame you for losing. And when you are at the realm of national campaigns or campaigns that get national attention or have books written about him, boy is 30% 30% of the book, you just getting trashed by the guy that was supposed to be your brother or sister in arms. Oh yeah. I mean, um, it, it is not, it is a collaborative effort if you win and it is a very destructive effort if you lose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because everyone's got a reason why you lost. Um, and it never, and, and, and none you. of it is it's you. Never you. No. <laughs> never you. Right. So always somebody else on the team who's terrible they were just a bad person. They bad their job or both, usually. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the best stories that come out of campaigns are coming out of losing campaigns because everyone wants to talk about it. Oh God, um, yeah. General, yeah. And the primaries are the worst. I mean, it's worse than than general elections because everyone has sort of quote unquote unified or at least sort of decided to take you know uh, some time off after losing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, particularly on campaigns that lose, I mean, people, people are pretty rough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the other thing that's, that's bizarre about it is because, you know, sure. If you're plugged into a national organization, then, then you might have some level of stability, but otherwise it kind of incorporates this other thing that I can only really describe as akin to like movie or television casting that every you know, nothing really goes on for more than a few months and then you're out and now you have to audition. And it, it's interesting that we talk about this now, because right now this is the kind of silent staffing primary for all these candidates that are going to run for, for 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 president on, on the Republican side. Can you talk about just that, that a the insecurity of of the profession and then this weird dance where now you're you're just you're choosing sides right now arbitrarily that will eventually become blood feuds yes yes you you get to choose your own adventure uh, or a misadventure and so um i remember that in 96 uh when i was working for the republican party of florida campaigns were wrapping up um felt really good about a candidate that um the party didn't feel good about but we won super excited about knew that if she had won i would get a job you know and so like Mm -hmm. you know like it, it legitimately translates into a job. Now, the Florida legislature is not a full-time legislature, so it's not like this could be a great job, but it was going to be a job. Um, yeah. But at the end of campaigns, people were thinking about that. They're saying, okay, well, 
how are we feeling about this? Are we going to win? And then how can I parlay that the story of what I did here into my next job or my next role in another campaign? And for people who live on campaigns, they're compiling stories in real time about what they did and why it was important and putting it together for their next job. So it's not like normal people who have real jobs who don't yeah. wake up every day and say to themselves, okay, well, good. You know, I did really great on this and I'm to make sure that's on the next time I interview, most people don't have to worry about interviewing, um, you know, every six months, you know, or every couple of years, like most people have a job, you know, or in a career that is very linear, whereas in politics, it won't be. So like, there's a group of jobs that you would love to do, you know, and that may function around, you know, comms or, or polling or something like that. But then there are candidates that you would love to work with, right? Yeah. But they might already have teams. And so like, you're trying to fit, for people who do this for a living, they're always trying to find ways to get connected to people and to be able to tell the story of what they did in the current campaign and how they can help the next campaign. And that is a very insecure and a very always on kind of mindset that most people can't understand and also drives people from the job eventually. Like, you know, again, you're on that hamster wheel and there's only so many times you can you can run before you just crap out and say, Okay, here I am in an emergency room, and oh, by the way, can you go up my arm instead of up the yeah. front? You know <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, that's that, that's mm-hmm. eventually where it leads. You know, it, it is so similar to, in a way, you know, I've been through television production processes of pitching a show and doing a test tape and doing a pilot and uh, things getting like on the air, uh, uh, especially because everybody has to be their own myth maker and and it yeah. leads to a lot of people having to touch everything everyone kind of has to touch everything because th- it's so much more risky to not touch it because if you don't touch it and it succeeds then you get to be the greatest person ever you looked at it you said perfect i trust my talent and now go off that's rare that's like 10% 90% something's going to go wrong or or the world isn't going to break in your favor and now you're negligent. So you have to touch it and you have to figure out how much you need to touch it. And then you have to make sure that if it succeeds, you let everybody know that it, I mean, not to say it only succeeded because I touched it, but just so you know, I touched but it. Just so you know, it did. Yeah. But just, just so you know, I was there. Yeah. And um, the thing about politics and what you're talking about that overlaps even better is that, I mean, these are usually short term projects. Right. Yeah. Everyone knows going in, this is not going to be the, ne- the next 10 years of their life. You know, it might be a couple of years if they're lucky. And on top of that, that, you know, being in show business, I mean, you know, politics is show business for ugly people. Yep. And, so, yep. and and the whole idea here is, is like, you know, we know we're public facing everything you do that eventually shows up on a screen or shows up in a book or something like that. It's all something that goes past. So like, for example, I mean, on purple work that we're doing, it might be people on my team who may never see the client, but may have done great work. And, you know, it may never end up in the book because there's yeah. not going to be a book about, you know, how we, you know, help this client. Whereas if it's a political campaign, that person may be a very important narrator of how this went. And so, you know, same thing again, you know, in, um, you know, in show business, I mean, the idea here is, is like, look, if something gets made, I mean, that's yeah. a huge victory for everyone involved. I mean, just to get something made. And if it goes really well, well, then everyone's going to want a piece of that as well. And so there's definitely a lot of overlap there. 
when you are transitioning out, my guess is much like television and show business and movies. Uh, it's not your choice per se. It, it, it's not like, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people in this, in this realm, you know, uh, uh, if they could just snap their fingers and always have every job they wanted, they would just probably keep snapping until they were beyond the, 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 the position that you were at in, 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 in the ER. But, uh, <laughs> There, 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 there has to be, I mean, it, it almost, it reminds me of, of like, like the, the, the rat experiments where like, like even yeah. though the rat knows that it's eventually going to kill them, they're just going to, they can't stop hitting the, uh, uh, hitting the, 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 the panel. And so it's like in, in a way, even if it's, you know, all right, I lost on my last one. I wanted to win on my last one, or I wanted to work for this candidate. I couldn't work for this candidate, uh, uh, uh blah, blah, blah. There has to be an element of bittersweet, um, you know, disconnection to it, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, um, I've been out of it now for a few years. Um, I made the choice after Trump won. Um, and everyone who is of my ilk in the mainstream sort of Republican you know, party that no longer exists, um, you know, said, well, it's okay. It's just a blip and they'll be back. And I, I was pretty convinced because I grew up in New York and I'm like, this guy's never going to let it go until he dies. So like, yeah. this is not, this is not what you think it is. It, it's the other thing. And so I realized at that point that I'd been, I, I'm done running races until the world resets. Who knows? Um, but the further you get away from it, um, you know, the happy you are as you turn yeah. out, because life is really good. Um, but there is a wistfulness, right? So every election night, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm going, man, you know, to be able to be in like Fetterman's, you know, team right now, yeah. knowing that they were written off and, you know, not just not just the candidate, but they were written off and they were going to have to explain how they lost and how they let him go ahead and debate and all the reasons that you would have picked out had the universe just flipped on the dime a little bit, um, you know, and how great it feels that day to be somebody who worked on a campaign and believed in them the whole way and busted their butts. Like, yeah, there is a wistfulness for that feeling of yeah. that connection to, to, to history. Right. Um, but um, you know, the benefits do outweigh <laughs> the downsides. Yes. Um, and I will say this, that, um, but there is definitely a feeling on election Eve that I have, that is probably not natural to most Americans, which is, I know what it's like to be there. And I yeah. know what it's like um, to win. And I know what it's like to lose. I know how it feels. And I know there's a lot of empathy for the people who are going through it. Um, even if I don't agree with them, because I, I know it, I know how hard it is to get to that day. It's an extraordinarily unique job. And, and you have to wrangle very, very distinct personalities with very distinct motivations from what donors to supporters to you know, blood sucking media people like me and, and, <laughs> and, and, and the candidate themselves and everybody wants something different, right? Everybody has a different agenda. And like you said, there's a reason why you got your start walking in thinking that you were going to shake the hand of a candidate and then became the, 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 de facto campaign manager because the staffing up for this thing is so quick and, and, and often so sparse that it's, you know, that's especially now that the money's getting so big with like the small dollar stuff. Like that's the thing that always blows me away when I go and like visit or, or, or see these campaigns in action. You're like, you, there's like hundreds of millions of dollars in the hands of mostly children. 
Like there's yes. a few adults. There's a few adults that are that are there. Yes. But they are mostly just delegating what would otherwise be eighty hundred thousand dollar jobs to to children with with budgets in the millions. It's 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 insane. And you have no right or experience to do it. I mean, when I got my first job with Dave, I mean, I I, I didn't think I was walking into that. I mean, I I, yeah. I thought I was going to go ahead and like you know lick envelopes or something I, or you know whatever we did at that point you know and knock on doors. Um, yeah, I mean, but. Yeah, more often than not, and you know, stuff from my book that, that you know, all the interviews I did for my book, the same themes came out Democrat and Republican. It was like, look, just show up. You never know, you know. Yeah. And for some can campaigns, like I mean, Dave, you know, thirty years ago, he didn't have Win Red, he didn't have online fundraising, so he couldn't raise a ton of money because you only have a certain amount of time and his personal network. And so, you know, now a Dave Gentry probably would have put up a much bigger fight. Um, yeah. against Karen Thurman um, now than it would have been 30 years ago. It's actually one of the biggest changes in the in the campaign cycles is that now you have fewer races that are really very competitive, but those races are super competitive. They have tons of money. They have all, yeah. they get all the toys, you know, and, you know, and they also get all the pressure. And so I think to a real extent, you know, those races are actually much more interesting now um, with the added money. Um, and it also disperses, by the way, the influence that a lot of campaigns used to feel, which is like, well, I have to listen to these people because they gave me a ton of money. Well, everyone's giving everyone a ton now, of money. Now, yeah, you're getting a lot so, of money. Yeah. So I don't have to like listen to just this guy or this woman who's giving a big chunk of change because there's a lot of people throwing around a lot of money. But to get back to our theme here is that <laughs> ultimately this is about the people and this is about the people that run it. And, and, and this yeah. is kind of about the 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 cost since you've had your heart attack i saw on facebook you put up a really nice thing uh, how has the community uh that that you grew up with and and are you know we're we're uh, colleagues with in in politics how how have they uh, responded and, and reached out to you um it's been overwhelming i mean i'm usually the guy who goes um and helps other people like that's kind of my default move, um, you know, personally and professionally. And so, um, it was, it was overwhelming, I think is the best word to say, cause I, I didn't expect it. Um, I knew that there'd be a certain group of people who would, who would rally, you know, my close friends, close family, um, you know, some colleagues and stuff. Um, but just it really, um, the number of people that I've heard from in so many different phases of my life, um, in real meaningful ways, um, has really, uh, again, made me, made me step back, you know, and really think about it. Um, you know, I'm trying to weigh the idea of when do I go back to work and stuff like that. And I don't know, yeah. I think physically I, I'll be able to do it. I don't know if emotionally I'll be able to do it yet because I didn't expect to be one of 12%. And then I didn't expect, um, people who I hadn't heard from in like 30 years, you know, reaching out and, and just picking up the phone and calling, like it's been relentless. Like I've already, I saw my phone as we're doing this interview for, for the past 50 minutes. And I believe like 10 people have already texted me and a few people have already called me and it's just been, it's a lot. And for someone who doesn't, it, it's, it's overwhelming for me to process how much actually people really do care. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. And trust me, you know, in a, in a time of around, around Thanksgiving, um, I mean, you couldn't have 
you know, put it around the right holiday. Right. I mean, I, I couldn't be yeah. more thankful for everybody. Um, but it, it really does sort of reset in your mind, like, Oh, wow. You know, I, I actually am important to this person, you know, and I've, I've gotten calls from people who I've been talking to in a long time. And they're like, love you, man. And like, yeah. that just guts me sometimes where you're just like, wow, you know, I, I, I didn't think I was that guy for you, you know? Um, but in some ways, because of social media and, and um, you know, electronic communication, it's very easy for someone to reconnect with somebody yeah. know, given a big event and for it to be a very meaningful conversation. And I think that, um, you know, I didn't expect that. I'm trying to process it. Um, I appreciate the hell out of it. Uh, but it is, um, it is a bit overwhelming. That's the honest way. And, I you know, that's, that's, uh, I think the other side of, of that, that weird world you, you, uh, you know, were, and, and to a certain extent still are a part of is that yes, the adrenaline makes you do crazy things. And yes, it makes you feel these emotional ways, but in much in the same way that, you know, war and sports and, and any kind of big moments, you always remember the moments in your life where the adrenaline was the highest and you looked across from one person to another. And like you said, sure, it might take years and, and, and uh, thankfully social media does give an immediacy that it's not just somebody finding out at a bar six months from now that you had a heart attack and then they're going to call you. Yeah. Everything's going to happen at once uh, uh, because they know it. And that is, that is, you know, I, I think if, if you're, if you're going to, you know, through the, the, the list of things to be thankful about, like that, that is, you know, I, I think probably the, the, the other side of that, right. Is that there is for, for all the negative things that can often come out of something that is so com competition driven, so adrenaline driven that, you know, for everybody that's kind of gone through it, you are brothers and sisters in arms forever on, on some level. Yeah. I think to a real extent, if you've gone through that process and you've gone through the, those kinds of experiences, um, it, they're so intense yeah. you know, that you actually form very intense friendships and very intense relationships. And even though you may not talk for a while, um, you pick it back up very quickly. Um, and I think that that's, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, cause I think, you know, it goes both ways, you know, I mean, for years, you know, I've heard of what's going on in friends' lives, you know, whether it's jobs or, you know, spouses or whatever. And you just do your best just to be there for people because like, you know them, you know them in a way that's different than, you know, if you just met them at college and had a beer with them. Now, there were a lot of people that I had very great experiences with in college and they were fantastic um, and, you know, in different phases of my life. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there is something different from hearing from people um, from those experiences as well. Um, I'm not saying that it's better or worse. It's just, you know, it's, yeah. it's reflective of that moment. And um, it is, uh, it's, it's always surprising when it just comes back and you're all of a sudden back in that mode of like, you know, wow, you know, can you believe that guy lost? Yeah, that was crazy. You know, and yeah. man, you know, I, I can't believe you had the heart attack. I would have thought it was me, you know, <laughs> you know, um, but you know, look, I mean, the point is like, I, I think what it really comes down to is, you know, Politics is definitely a crazy business. It really is. But it forms incredible relationships and, and they're built around these sort of unique experiences. And um, those unique experiences are really about people. You know, this is a people yeah. business. This is not just like money coming from Winred or, you know, or Act Blue. It's not just 
ads or, you know, target hyper-targeted, you know, um, you know, communications. I mean, all of these things come back to people who are willing to lay it out in the line. And, um, you know, sometimes there's a cost. Um, for me, it was a very delayed cost. I mean, I thought it was already added. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, but you know, there, there's always a cost. Um, but I, the good news is that I got lucky. Um, I'm still here. I still get to talk to, you know, people like yourself and I still get to, you know, be, be friends with people like yourself and, and others. And it's, um, you know, it gives that much more meaning to, you know, all the things that I've done in my life and all the people who really mattered. To me. Well, Michael, uh, uh, obviously this is, uh, uh, it is, it is a joy to be able to talk to you considering where we were one week ago. It is a joy uh, for, for folks who are only listening to this. We are doing this over zoom so we can see each other. And it, it has Good been, it has been great to see the exact same shot that I always see. I, ex- I always see your office. I always see you there. You have your book propped up. It is, it, it is, it is fantastic. The but the fact that nothing changed, <laughs> nothing, nothing changed at all. Like uh, uh, that is, that is, that is great, great, great um, from, from where you were. And uh, you know, I, I think at times and certainly the media narratives and, and especially the tenor of, of this show can be guilty of very much hyper-focusing on that win or lose one or zero binary, either everything you did was brilliant and, or everything you did was, was awful. And while we try to slice senses of nuance into it, that is the North star to it. And so uh, uh, you know, if, if a byproduct of something so scary and so serious can be that we can take a little moment on, on, on this show to just again, highlight that beyond all of the competition, beyond your beliefs, beyond, uh, uh, everything that this is just like anything else in society, uh, comes with a human cost and, uh, uh, that there are real, lives and people, uh, behind it. And if somebody that, you know, you guys have enjoyed listening to this show, uh, uh give us expertise on it has gone through a little slice of that. Then if, if there's any other reason to say that we are thankful that we have the lives that we have, then, uh, this is, this is a good enough, uh, uh certainly a, a very worthy reason to do it. Thanks so much, Justin. I mean, I really appreciate being on the show and, and just, uh, you know, getting to know you. I I think, um, you know, one of the things people don't really understand, too, is that, you know, the people who do the shows also have real lives, too. Yes. (laughs) You know, and and I I think, um, you know, the work that you're doing here is fun. It's important. um, But also understand that, like, you know, there's actually a real Justin, too, you know. And, yes, you know, he takes the cape off and and turns off the mic. You know, (laughs) there's there's, you know, there's stuff that really matters to you. And I think I think that that is. um, it's important for us to understand that. And it's a good, a really good week to do it, you know, to put that into context. So thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, we can get back. I knew, I knew you were, I knew you were fine when you sent me the first meme. Cause that, that's, that's usually how we communicate is we find funny memes about politics and, and, and oh. send them, send them back and forth. But, uh, uh, that was, that was the first so thing I mean, that, that and my, my inability to not, <laughs> whenever I'm in stressful situations, my, 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 my default is to, to 
try to lighten the mood and make and make a joke. And so the first thing when oh when, you, when you when you texted when you texted me to say that you were okay, I was I was so relieved. And the only thing that came to mind was what a pro you saved your heart attack for after the midterms. Uh, and so like I was I was very glad that you found I, that funny. I didn't know if I was if it was okay for me to say that on the show, but that was like legitimately one of the funniest things I read <laughs> like in a long time. Like it was just like wow hope everything's okay you know well in your recovery dude and, and it was just like also what a bleeping throw <laughs> your heart attack until after the midterms i mean i literally showed my phone to my wife and we just started hysterically laughing and there we were like you know it was like we were in the hospital it was like the yeah. funniest moment yeah so i yeah i mean that was just that's gold jerry <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's, that is probably a, 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 I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, it, I don't know if it's, a, if it's, a, if it's a, 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 a healthy reflex uh, for me to always try to, uh, try to make a joke out of things, oh, but I, so I, I'm good. definitely glad that you guys, so that you guys got a, got a good laugh out of that in a harsh moment. Uh, uh Michael uh, yeah. Cohen, of yeah. course, modern political campaigns, go buy his book. Uh, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, this is, um, look, call your friends, text your family hug the people that that you care about thanksgiving is always my favorite holiday for uh you know food and football reasons but uh there's there's always a good moment uh if this is an excuse to to genuinely just show people that you love them uh, this is i think what this holiday season really is about you know uh, uh regardless of your your religion or socioeconomic status or political leanings from now until the end of the year just Take some time and tell people that that you really that they they mean something to you because in in a human business in a human society, boy, a, a little dab will do you, man. Uh, that 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 matters. That matters the world. So uh, I will I will start by saying, Michael Cohen, thank you again one more time for taking time <laughs> in in a very hectic moment in your life to talk to us. And uh, I love having you on the show. It, it, your your insight is invaluable. Um. Uh, I, uh, we, we, we will be speaking very, very soon, but please have a, have a tremendous Thanksgiving. You too. Um, and to you and your families as well. And to everyone who's listening. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If uh, you would like to send your well wishes to our boy, Michael Cohen, please head on over to letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. Again, that is px3guest.com. If you'd like to send us an email, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Find the show on Twitter, px 3 tweets and of course if you'd like to share this episode with your friends family clergy you can go ahead and do it px3podcast.com uh we're not going to do the plugs for money because that seems weird but uh of course thank you to all of our patrons at takepoliticsseriously.com three dollar tier gets you two bonus episodes and uh the ten dollar tier we uh, like to shout them out at the end of the show. Dustin, Jason, Andres, Matt, 
Craig Potts, MC Dradio, and Safety B Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yield, Pinball Shop, DP4, Bongo, Catherine, Todd, persons familiar with the matter, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslanian, Blue Front and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Diana, Turn 2, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome. Brad, Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank got abducted, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, the Gen, A-L-D-L-D-L-D, really, Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua. We normally do the big send-off and politics this, politics that, and then I put some echo on the end. We got the sound, but, um, you know, we're just going to end this on a little bit more of a serious note. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversation. I know as somebody who is about to cross the 40-yard line of life myself, uh, uh, his recommendation to see a <laughs> see a heart doctor is something that struck home to me. So I'll underline that for everybody listening. If you are around my or uh, Michael's age, you know, one, one little decision could make a real big difference down the line. Hopefully you guys have a great Thanksgiving holiday. We'll be back with a uh, non-heart attack related episode of the program, theoretically, on Monday for patrons and Wednesday for everybody else. We'll be well into the holiday season by then. Get your jingles and your jangles. And in the meantime, heat up some leftovers. My name is Justin Robert Young. Some shows talk about politics, others politics, and still more politics, but this is the only one that dares discuss all three. Happy Thanksgiving.